Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Passion for the Pastime podcast. I'm your host, Walter. And on this episode of the podcast, we are going to talk to the great Tim Britton of The Athletic. He covers the New York Mets. Because the Mets are a story. I mean, Steve Cohen is changing the landscape of baseball. So we're going to talk about his spending habits. <laughs> talk about what that means for the future of baseball. But we also have to talk about what the Mets' outlook is. Because they are one of the top players when it looks, when you look to MLB, when you look to the National League, as far as who the representative will be come October. And they are making that push. They are trying to do everything in their power to give them an extra an extra boost. And yeah, they lose DeGrom, but hey, you, you swap that out with a future Hall of Famer, three-time Cy Young Award winner, Justin Verlander. I mean, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. The Mets are just everything that you'd want your team to do. It's what it's that's what they're doing. So we're going to talk to Tim Britton, and we're also because Giants fans out here, we're listening, uh, or we're we're mostly Giants fans. If if you're listening to this podcast, if you're based in the Bay Area, shout out to the orange and black. But uh, we're going to talk about Michael Conforto a little bit because Tim Britton covered Michael Conforto for many years, uh, his entire career in New York. So. We want to get a little little insight from the New York perspective. We want to see what kind of player Michael Conforto is. So we'll lead off with that, and we have a lot more conversation coming up. We're talking with Tim Britton on the other side, beat writer for The Athletic. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and now we shift our focus to the East Coast, the, the east side of the country, uh, up in Queens. We are going to talk some New York Mets baseball and bringing in Tim Britton of The Athletic. He covers the Mets, and there's a lot to uh, uncover here, Tim, so I'm not going to waste any time. How you doing, and are you enjoying the sunshine down in Florida right now? Yeah, you know, it, it's been a warm winter in New York, but it is still not quite what it is in Florida in the month of February. <laughs> Yeah, Tim, uh, I tell you right now, I'm in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and I'm coming in, I'm driving in, and there's snow on the mountains around the Bay Area. I I do not know what's going on, but uh, I'm jealous that everyone is in Arizona. I'm jealous that you are in Florida, but uh, I'm also thankful that baseball is just right around the corner. Yeah, we're getting ready for what should be a a really interesting season in, in the National League as a whole and for the Mets and the NL East in particular. Yeah, for sure. NL East uh, definitely is going to be a uh, a gauntlet of a division uh, when you look at it. Just up and down, all these teams. You got the Braves who are uh, who are in the World Series not too long ago. The Phillies who were in it last year. Uh, it's 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 going to be really exciting because the Mets are trying to to get back there. Right? They were in there in 2015, and they have a lot uh, of 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 expectations going into the 2023 season. Uh, Tim, before we get into Mets 2023, I kind of want to break down a little bit of Michael Conforto because he is coming out to the Bay Area. Um, not many Giants fans really know too much about Michael Conforto. He's out on the on the East Coast, uh, so he comes out west and he didn't play at all last year. 
I just want to get a little bit of insight as to what kind of player is Michael Conforto and what is the ceiling do you think that he can have in 2023 in a Giants uniform? Yeah, I mean, I think Michael Conforto is a guy that because of what's happened over the last two years, he had a, a rough 2021 season uh, in Queens and then obviously missed all of last year thanks to injury, uh, kind of forgotten how good he could be. This is a guy who can hit, you know, 280 for you with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. And, and it, it felt a little bit in New York like he never quite put together the full season that, that people expected of him as a first-round pick. You know, he came up, and I, I think they showed some highlights of him and Right when he was drafted, and Keith Hernandez just oozed over his swing. And, and when Keith Hernandez oozes over your swing, you expect this guy's going to hit 330. Uh, Conforto wasn't quite that kind of player, but you look at his 2020 season, uh, which obviously only 60 games, but that was kind of what people thought he might be able to do over the course of 162 at some point. And you think back to before that 2021 season, which was his, you know, the last year of his contract, there was a the thought this guy was going to be uh, a. a nine-figure contract guy and pretty easily a nine-figure you know guy getting the 150 million dollar contract but uh, a bad season in 2021 the injury last year has, has left him on, on the shorter end of that with the Giants with a two-year deal and an opt-out but you know it's a it's a left-handed swing with power the other way I'm not sure how much power he'll hit for in San Francisco now it's a tougher park for lefties uh, it's gotten a little easier the last couple of years but still isn't isn't as easy as some others not Yankee Stadium for sure uh, but uh, a guy who's who does a lot of things really well maybe doesn't do any one thing great, but helps you win in a lot of different smaller ways. Yeah, Michael Conforto, definitely an interesting piece. And I think that a lot of people are are kind of uh, skeptical because uh, obviously of the injury, but also because of who the Giants missed out on, right? And Aaron Judge, uh, it wasn't the slugger that we were, I guess, hoping for in the Bay Area to come over from New York. But uh, Conforto, I think that he's going to be a really uh, solid piece for this team. Again, if he can stay healthy, um, he's trying out his shoulder down there in spring training early. I think he was throwing to the bases today. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll see uh, what kind of player we get in Michael Conforto. Um, a lot of expectations in New York, so maybe the pressure's out of New York in, uh, into the, I guess, more, more laxed Bay Area, San Francisco, uh, might benefit him in this 2023 season. Yeah, you know, whenever a guy has kind of the, the difficult contract year that Conforto had in 2021, you wonder whether, you know, that, that weighs on their mind, especially as the season gets on. Maybe you start off a little slow and it just kind of snowballs on you as you, you think, oh, I could have been getting this deal if I just had a good season, and now it's not going to be that way. The final numbers won't be where you want them to be. Uh, and you know, he's always been a streaky hitter. When he is when he is hot, he is as hot as anyone in the sport, but he does go through some cold stretches. It seemed like he just couldn't put it all together in, in 2021 the way he wanted to. But uh, I, I'm really interested in seeing you know, him and Mitch Hanniger. I think Mitch Hanniger is a similar type of player there in San Francisco. It's funny, for a long time there was the thought that the, the Mets and Mariners might work out like a conforto Hanniger deal because the Mets could <laughs> use a right-handed hitting outfielder and Conforto is from the Pacific Northwest and it's funny to see them both now in the same spot in very similar circumstances there in San Francisco. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a interesting uh, season here for the orange and black but for the orange and blue, I guess, do you guys even say that in New York, the orange and blue? Is that something that, that you guys say? <laughs> I just, every, every once in a while because uh, there's some podcast name okay, okay. I, I just made it up I just made, it came to me I said it I, I, I don't know uh, if you guys use that term out there but for the Mets uh, we're going to talk about the Mets with Tim Britton uh, he is the beat writer for the Mets for the Athletic and I did mention Aaron Judge right and I kind of want to pivot that uh, into the, the Mets talk because 
everyone has a slugger on their team. And Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs, uh, the new AL home run record. But in Queens, you guys have your own slugger uh, in your own right. You have the the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, who has the most home runs in the league since he broke into the majors in 2019. Two-time home run derby champ. I mean, this guy has it all. And uh, he, he hit 10 less in his rookie season. He hit 52 in his rookie season. Do you believe that he has what it takes all the tools, it's all meshing in in 2023. Do you think that he can surpass that 62 home run mark that Aaron Judge set last year? Well, you know, they, they did move in the fences in right field, in mm-hmm. city field, just a, a couple of feet. I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be enough for Alonzo <laughs> to find that much. You know, the 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 50-plus that he hit in his, his rookie year was in 2019. That was kind of the year the ball flew a little bit farther right. uh, than it has in the, in the years since. And uh, I think you, you probably go broke betting on anyone in baseball to hit 60-plus home runs in a given year. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think Alonzo is such uh, an integral part of this lineup. And I think he's probably the most important part of this lineup for the Mets because he is the source of power. You know, that, that was the thing that they didn't have last year. And, and, you know, you think back to the 2021 Giants, for instance, and all the home runs they hit. Uh, like that, that really carries your offense through some of its slumps, through its downtimes, and against good pitching. Uh, and, you know, the Mets need Alonzo to be that middle of the order slugger, kind of that ballast to the lineup to give them that power source that, you know, they've got some other guys who might hit 20 or 25 home runs in, in Francisco Lindor um, and, and some of the guys they've got around, Starling Marte. Uh, but, but none of those guys kind of scare you quite the same extent that Alonzo does when he's in the box with two men on and, and the way he can change the game with one swing. Uh, so I, I think he's as important as anyone in the Mets lineup this year to continue to be that presence for them moving forward. Now I want to switch over to, uh, to the other side of the ball real quick, Tim, uh, on the mound, especially uh, the writing on the wall in 2022 uh, for Jacob deGrom has seemed like more and more that he wasn't going to come back and he is no longer in Queens. He is in Texas. And, uh, but I mean, I don't know if you could if you could have predicted that the next scenario would play out with Justin Verlander ending up in Twins. So that's a really good replacement. I mean, you're getting a three-time uh, Cy Young Award winner, and it's it's just not a bad replacement, even at his advanced age. Do, do you think that Verlander could put it all together, still continue his success that he had last year, even at the age of forty? You know, I, I, I wouldn't have bet on it last year with Verlander <laughs> coming off basically two missed seasons. Uh, I, I wouldn't have predicted a Cy Young season for him at 39 in Houston, right. uh, and he delivered. So uh, <laughs> I wouldn't bet against him uh, even at 40. You see, uh, just even early in spring training, the amount of work he puts into it, the same, same kind of deal with Max Scherzer, you know, in, in this rotation. Uh, so it is rare that you lose a two-time Cy Young Award winner. Uh, you think you might get your rotation better by by plucking out a, a three-time Cy Young Award winner. <laughs> I think you know Degrom is when Degrom is pitching. Uh, I, I do think he's still on a different level than, than anyone else I've seen, and, and that includes Scherzer, that includes Verlander, that includes other Cy Young winners I've, I've covered. Uh, but uh, the problem obviously has been uh, the inconsistency with which he gets to the mound in the first place over the last two seasons. And Verlander, you know, obviously missed time with Tommy John surgery, but it's it's a little different than kind of the, the series of injuries DeGrom has had. And the Mets are hopeful that, you know, Verlander can be there for 175 innings, 180 innings in a way that they weren't sure they could count on DeGrom in that capacity. Yeah, this is definitely a, a good swap. And for the short term, too, I mean, it's a two-year deal. And, and the Mets are trying to, I mean, you got to give it to uh, to to Steve Cohen, the, the owner. I mean, he is trying to get a championship, a World Series to Queens. And you bring in a guy of that caliber, you pair him with, 
uh, Max Scherzer. I mean, the, the sky's the limit for that start, starting rotation. It has to be uh, tops in the in the league. I mean, I, I guess that's the expectation anyway. Uh, but continuing the conversation with uh, with Justin Verlander. He's only 56 wins away from 300, and we'll probably never see that feat ever again in in this state of baseball. So, uh, do you think he gets there? He has two years to do it on the Mets deal. That that's a big ask, but do you think he gets there eventually? Uh, even if he he doesn't finish his career in, uh, with the Mets. Yeah, like I, I don't think it's happening in the next two seasons, but I, I do wonder, you know, if, if how much he's got left in the tank, and mm-hmm. and we've seen with with some guys in the past, you know that. That 300 number <laughs> helps you stick around a little bit longer, <laughs> helps motivate you a little bit more uh, when you might otherwise hang him up. So uh, if he's, you know, it would not surprise me if he's got three more really good seasons in him, maybe even yeah. a fourth in there, uh, if he's got just a couple more wins left to get. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about, that. was it Randy Johnson, the last guy to get to 300? Yeah. Uh, maybe Greg Maddox, the, the two of them were around the same time. But, you know, when that happened, there was kind of the idea that, you know, we, we don't know when we're going to see this again. And, and with Verlander, I, I feel like, we know pretty sure we're not going to see this again right. uh, if he if he does get there. So it, it will be really fun to watch over the next couple of years. And you know, I, I do wonder how that you know, alters how you manage with him mm-hmm. uh, if you are the Mets. If you know, there's there's a game you're leading uh, nine to five with two outs in the fifth inning, and Justin Verlander struggling a lot on the mound. <laughs> if you maybe leave him in to get that last out to qualify for that win, that maybe you don't let a, a younger or less accomplished pitcher do. Yeah, no, definitely. There's going to be uh, some some changes to to the uh, analytical pro- approach when Verlander is on the mound for sure in Queens. Uh, you guys had a addition to the the starting rotation, not just Verlander. You got uh, you brought in Kodai Singa, who's at play for the Rookie of the Year. Now, with a guy of his caliber coming over from Japan and with all these rule changes, do you think that that's a benefit to him uh, because he didn't know. I mean, he knew other other rules, obviously in Japan. But is that going to hinder his his you know transition into Major League Baseball? You know, I haven't thought about it too much in terms of the the rules changes. There's there's there is so much that goes into that transition mm-hmm. for any pitcher. You know, it's it's instead of pitching once a week, you're pitching on more of a five day schedule. Uh, you're pitching with a slightly larger baseball. You're you're pitching outdoors more so mm-hmm. than, than you do in Japan. And Buck Showalter's joke that the biggest change for, for Senga so far has been training in Florida, 85, 90 degree heat. That's not something he's used to. He's used to spring training right. in 60 degree weather in Japan. Uh, so uh, there, there's so much that goes into that transition. I'm not sure uh, how it's exacerbated or, or assisted by, you know, changes to the, the pitch mm-hmm. clock and, and throwing over. Um, you know, I'm sure he, he's got to get used to that just like any other pitcher uh, in, in the major leagues. But the, the Mets are excited for kind of uh, for, for maybe more potential in him than, than some other guys on the free agent market uh, who are around the same price point that they feel like, you know, there, there's some untapped potential in there. Uh, we've seen, you know, plenty of examples of guys who have transitioned from uh, Nippon professional baseball and had a lot of success at the major league level, especially pitchers, uh, especially right away. So uh, I think they're excited about what he can do, you know, they've, they've obviously got Verlander and Scherzer at the top of the rotation. They've got a more veteran group behind it with, mm-hmm. with Carrasco and, and Jose Quintana, but they think Senga might be one uh, that can, they can get a little bit more out of than, than you might expect going into the year. We're wrapping up here with uh, Tim Britton, covers the Mets for The Athletic, and we go from uh, one Japanese superstar to another. I just want to get your, your initial uh, pulse on the Otani situation. Assuming he hits the open market, is, is it a full go? For New York, are, are they full in on a pursuit of Otani if he does become available next offseason? 
Yeah, I mean, that would be my expectation, uh, given that, you know, the Mets general manager is Billy Epler. He's the guy who signed Shohei Otani in mm-hmm. Anaheim. Mm-hmm. The guy who I think is as responsible for Shohei Otani signing with the Angels as anyone else in that organization uh, and a guy who's known him for a long time and scouted him for a long time. So, you know, I think we've, we've all heard that, that Shohei might prefer to be on the West coast rather than, than going all the way to the East coast. But if there is a team, you know, East of California that can, can persuade him. Otherwise it, it is probably the Mets, uh, probably the, the marketing opportunities you get uh, in the city of New York that you don't get anywhere else in, in the U S uh, I, I think, you know, they, the, the payroll is at a, a really high level right now, uh, but you know, when, when your owner is Steve Cohen and has uh, that amount of, of personal financial wealth, uh, it can go even higher. You, know, you never know what the limits on the, the top end are. Yeah, I was going to say, where, where are the limits? Where, where does the spending end for Steve Cohen? I think uh, he has owners all around MLB kind of shaking right now because they don't know where he's going to stop. Yeah, I mean, he, he, we talked to him earlier in the week, and he, he was saying that, you know, this is the short-term plan. The spending is the short-term plan until you build out the farm system. You know, the Mets have a couple of prospects on the way over the next year or so, but they're, you know, they're not the guys who are replacing Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer at the top of the rotation. They're still going to have to spend a bit uh, to bring in, to to supplement their roster uh, in the next couple of years. So I think, you know, everyone in baseball, the question is just how high might he go and for how long is he willing to go there? Uh, with, with the next CBA only four years away uh, and, and baseball already looking into uh, reforming some of its financial situation. All right, wrapping up here with uh, Tim Britton, I, I just got to ask you because we've been talking about up the Mets. They have a, a great starting rotation. They have a great lineup. They have a great bullpen. I mean, where is the weakness in this New York Mets team? If I were to ask you, you know, finish this phrase, the Mets will win the World Series if blank. What, what what would you say? Yeah, I, I think if the, the two things are, are if they stay healthy, and that's any team, but I think right. in particular a team that has that is as old as the Mets. You know, they were one of the oldest teams in baseball last year, and they got older in the offseason, and not just because everyone gets a year older in the offseason. Uh, and, and the other is if they hit for enough power. I think, you know, Alonzo we talked about is, is in the middle of the order as a slugger, but they need kind of uh, Francisco Lindor and Starling Marte and, and Eduardo Escobar or, or some of their younger players, Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez in particular, guys who might come up over the course of the year uh, and project to hit uh, a fair amount of home runs for guys their age. Uh, if they get someone else in that lineup, kind of that, that number five hitter to put behind Alonzo uh, that, that breaks out, uh, I think that will go a long way toward making this lineup a little bit more uh, – multi-dimensional because you know they they can score runs they can build build innings on top of each other on top of base hits but it's harder to do that in the playoffs as they saw last year they got one hit uh in their their series, series finale against the padres in the wild card series by joe musgrove uh it's harder to do that in the postseason and having that one swing that can change a game uh, is really important and they didn't have enough guys capable of doing that last year a lot of insight in Queens and a lot of uh, excitement for Queens and the Mets. Uh, Mets fans trying to get back to the World Series, uh, trying to make a deep run in the postseason. I think this is uh, a team that could possibly do it. I mean, uh, on paper, right? But that's, that's the good thing about baseball is that it's not played on paper. It's played on the diamond. So, uh, Tim Britton, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on the podcast. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. No, anytime, Walter. Thanks for having me. And again, that was Tim Britton of The Athletic. He covers the Mets for The Athletic. And uh, go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter, at Tim Britton. I mean, that, that was a lot of good stuff, a lot of good information uh, because you need to know 
about the the Mets because they are going to be a huge player in the NL East. They're going to be a huge player in the National League, and they are coming to San Francisco uh, in the first month of the of the season. So you're going to see a lot of the Mets, um, and it's going to be a really fun time. So I can't wait to get into more NL East. We're going to be talking with uh, with more beat writers from the East uh, out out in Philadelphia at some point. But just the NL East is is one of the <laughs> one of the most jacked up uh, divisions. I'm not, I'm not, and I mean that. In, in the good sense of the word, uh, they are stacked from top to bottom. Uh, but also the, those those three teams right there. You got the Marlins kind of floating around, but uh, you have the Braves, you have the Phillies, and you have the the Mets all with World Series aspirations. So you guys have a good one. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tim Britton. Again, go ahead and give him a follow at Tim Britton on Twitter. Uh, he's a great follow. Gives a lot of great information on the Mets. So you guys have a good one. Be safe, and we will talk to you next time.